Hey guys, just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at sidebarforever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. Let the litigation begin. As OGs, Swain and I have been fans of Frank Miller ever since we were teenagers. We've spoken about him more than once on the previous iteration of the show. And to this day, we still hold a lot of reverence for his work. Recently, Swain ran across an article on ScreenRant.com listing Miller's nine best comics. And he and I thought it would be fun to put together our own top five. Arguments were made, evidence was presented to the court, and the jury came back with its verdict. I'm Adrian Johnson, and this is the Goddamn Sidebar Forever Podcast. And today, we're debating Frank Miller's five best comics. So, yo, so when you came up with um, the premise for this episode, man, you know, us talking about Frank, um, I just... I instantly thought about something on our previous incarnation that I kind of wanted to bring up. But before that, you know, I do want to say this. And look, I know some people may jump down my throat. Not Don't blame Swain for this. Blame me. My name's Adrian Johnson. You know where to find me at. <laughs> <laughs> but Miller, to me, just for me, he hasn't really been rev- relevant in like the last decade or so, you know. And I, I can hear mm-hmm. people right now like, ooh, say what, what? Because for me, it almost seemed like he's resting on his laurels a bit. I mean, he's done enough to where it's like, man, he kind of, like I'm fond to say of certain creators, he don't need to do nothing else. You, you've already done this, this, and this. You straight. You know, if you want to keep pushing, that's cool. But to me especially in the light of like all of these like dark night sequels and threequels mm-hmm. and just it just it's becoming just to the point of like for me it's almost diminishing not wholly but it kind of takes a bit of the uh polish off of the original so forth because it's like the, the original is a monolith you know to me and just those subsequent mm-hmm. You know, sequels are just like, mm-mm. it's not needed, man. It's not needed, man. Uh, uh, let me interject real quick. It's it's kind of similar to a once great and, you know, creative and commercially successful artist. Yeah. Like a musician, rather. Like a musician. Where they put out, you know, a great debut. And then all, you know, then the sophomore follow-up is, is, is just as great. And you're like, wow. You know, and then you see them kind of you know, do something else later in the maybe an album or two later. And that one maybe is a departure from what they did before, not as commercially successful, but gets even greater critical acclaim and acclaim for being, you know, uh, 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 creatively adventurous. Yeah. And so they have this four or five albums where you're like, wow, they just killed it from this year to that year. And then as they kind of get older and get further into the second and third, uh, 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 third waves of their career they start putting out you know worse albums crappier albums cover tune albums uh collaborations with shaggy uh you know just (laughs) all kinds of bullshit 
And you get to the point where it's like, okay, after a while, the bullshit is going to outnumber the greatness at the beginning of the career. It's like, okay, you got six bad albums to counter your four excellent great albums. And that's just like, ah, this is a little, I don't, you know, you don't want to see them fall from grace. And yet that's what they're destined to do. And I think to some extent, to some extent, it's, it doesn't hold completely true with, with artists or with comics or with other kinds of storytelling. Uh-huh. But definitely with musicians, no musician, I won't say none, there are hardly any examples that you can find where after they were 40 years old, they created great commercially successful work. The only two examples I'll give you will be Carlos Santana mm-hmm. with Supernatural. Yeah. And, T- and Tina Turner with the What's Love Got to Do With It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But those are the two exceptions that actually prove the point that in that instance, it doesn't happen. Same thing with athletes. Athletes aren't great in their fucking 40s. It's over at 40. Mm-hmm. You can't play with 20-year-olds. They'll kill you. Just, just on endurance. Maybe they don't have the skills or the chops, but just on endurance, they'll kill you. So I kind of wonder... You know, where, again, I keep bringing this up, you know, where Miller was young. He had that eye of the tiger. He had taken all of the abuse from Neil Adams at Continuity Associates. Yeah. You know, dragging him on his on his draftsmanship and his figure drawing, you know, making jokes about him to other artists in the the studio saying, look, he knows he can't draw. So he's focusing on storytelling, (laughs) you know, like that kind of shit. Yeah. (laughs) So I wonder if it's partially that the reason why you say, damn, yo, because I mean, go ahead. Anyway, finish your point. That was a long tangent that I interjected there. So no, no, but it kind of made it come into focus. And I appreciate you for that, because that's exactly the point that I was getting to. It just seemed like within the last decade or so, Miller, to your point, you know, and and this kind of isn't true of cartoonists, though, but in this instance, it kind of is. With with cartoonists, the older they get, for the most part, as long as their motor skills hold up and things like that, you know, and their mind Mm -hmm. is still sharp for the most part, they become craftspeople at the craft of cartooning. You know what I'm saying? Like, they actually get sharper, you know, the Mm -hmm. more that they do it. And you can see that with Miller, obviously. I mean, he he still has chops. I can't take that away from him. But in terms of like his storytelling and the choices of projects that he's choosing, it's just like, no. Like with the latest like um, Dark Knight sequels and stuff, he's teaming up with uh, Brian Azzarello, you know, a a younger Mm -hmm. writer. And I'm like, why do you need another writer if you're the one that came up with this original premise? You know, like, mm-mm. you know, and he's done some other stuff, too, that I'm just like, oh, Frank. Oh, come on, man. Come on, bruh. You know what I mean? Like, holy terror. Yeah. You know, this sequel to 300 Xerxes. I'm like, oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> and and, and did, you, did you see? Did you see that recently? He also did um, illustrations for a prose novel, like for a young adult novel. Uh, called Curse. Yeah, he did like the interior illustrations. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that, but even with that, like his artwork kind of felt <laughs> kind of out of place. 
as just single <laughs> illustrations of like that you read like this young young adult novel you're like oh man so so timmy went to the prep school and why is he wearing a trench coat what the <laughs> why is he in a shadow what <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerated. Why does Timmy have a Band-Aid on his face? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yo. So I see what Miller is doing. He's definitely trying to reinvent himself, you know, for sure, to a new paradigm. But I do feel like, you know, mm-hmm. his the glories that he, that he is known for, they are definitely behind him. And he's left the trail of greatness. I can't lie. I can't lie. He, he's like he's like a Jordan. Yeah. He's like a Brady. Where he got rings, yo. He got rings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and so with that, I want to go into a retraction before we get into the heart of this episode, man. <sighs> yeah, I got egg on my face. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> on our previous incarnation, we did a um, Frank Miller tribute. I believe it's about episode two eighty nine or thereabouts, and. On the conclusion of the episode, Swain posited a question to Dwight and myself asking, does Miller belong in the Hall of Fame, the comic book Hall of Fame? And in my, and I was all up in my feelings, you know, and all this. (laughs) And I said, no, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. And I, and I, I don't forgot why I even said that, but upon reflection and probably being disassociated from whatever I was feeling at that time about him. It's like, he absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. Are you kidding me? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 He, he, if ever there was someone who was, you know, deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, it's definitely him. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if, he has reached a point for me where he gets a free, a complete free pass because I jumped off at uh, at DK two. Oh yeah, like yeah, I jumped off the Miller train at DK two. Y'all was like, uh, next stop, please. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. DK two. I was like, okay, and and the Holy Terror was like a hot, a holy hot mess for me. Oh, I was just like, yeah. oh, oh, this is. And, 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 you know, and, and it doesn't really have much to do, like, with his politics or xenophobia or, you know, or maybe not xenophobia, but just this kind of, uh, you know, this kind of haughty militantism, you know, that he, he kind of has, you know. And um, I told you guys that story. Uh, I was at the uh, New York Comic Con. Yes, but tell it again for the benefit. Yeah. Okay. So I went to the New York Comic Con. And went to a Frank uh, a panel that Bob Shrek had uh, was was doing. It was hosted by uh, Chris. What's his name from uh, Chris Hardwick? Uh, Chris Hardwick from uh, from the Nerdist. Yeah. And it was Shrek. Yeah. And Shrek had just taken a job with Legendary Pictures to be the editor, I guess editor in chief of Legendary Comics. Mm-hmm. So. He brought some all stars out on stage with him that he was going to ha- have work w- work with him on on some of his books, one of which was Matt Wagner, oh, a terrific uh, writer and artist himself. Of course, uh, the other one was Mike Kaluta, mm. a, a, a fantastic artist and someone for whom I I remain uh, you know a forever fan. Uh, Paul Pope and Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. 
And when Frank came out, we started talking and taking questions and answers, or they started talking and we, you know, did questions and answers. And then they got to the subject of 9-11 and oh, he just no. went off. Like, yeah, they killed 3,000 of my neighbors and I hope they all burn in hell. <laughs> you know, and the place was like crickets. Yo, we were like, is, is he all right? I mean, you know, but, you know, he's passionate. Yeah. You know, and you know, he 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 himself was in his feelings. So, you know, he's he's definitely got some ideas certainly about you know, about uh, you know, about uh uh, you know, Islam mm. and, you know, I guess Arab Americans maybe. I don't you know, I don't want to take it that far put a, you know, hoist that upon him. Um and, you know, if you look at his work, he's definitely written some stories that had questionable attitudes towards women and his female characters. Yeah, that's for sure. But he's in the Hall of Fame, though, dog. I mean, yeah. Because at first when I saw. So, for instance, the reason for this conversation is I ran across a recent article on ScreenRant.com. Frank Miller, his nine best comics. And I remember laughing at the title because I was like, he ain't got nine best that's a stretch. <laughs> and I was like, and I sent it to Adrian. I was like, yo, this might be fun to talk about. Adrian was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. But I grabbed a post-it, post-it note mm-hmm. and I just off the top said, okay, what are my favorites? One, two, three, four, five. I really could have did six. Okay. I really could have chosen at least six or seven that I was like, wow, these are fucking killer dillers, bangers. Nothing but straight hardcore bangers coming for that ass. Don't worry about it. I got you. All right. <laughs> and and then I thought, you know, that our, my list is probably going to overlap with Adrian's list, but it won't be the same because Adrian's younger than me. You know, he has, you know, his, his tastes are going to be are going to vary in places. So we thought it would be fun for us to do our own top five. That's right. Of Miller's five best comics, and we're going to litigate it here. We're going to. We're going to challenge each other's choices and decisions. We're going to exalt the ones that we agree upon. We're going to cast out the ones that that don't deserve to be on the list. Damn right. And, you know, we're going to come up with what we think works as a top five. Now, I got to start off by saying this. Okay. All right. What's up? Without motherfucking question, Daredevil is on the list. Man, please. Come on. Hell yeah. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a matter of fact, Daredevil is my number one, okay? Okay. That's my number one Frank Miller shit right there. Just unequivocally, you know, I'll go to the mat. That's my number one. Oh, man. That is him at the peak of his powers. That is him with his teeth razor sharp, his talons you know, uh, uh, extended from his his cl- his claws, <laughs> him just going for it, just just ripping it up, issue after issue, month after month, arc after arc, even the fucked up one off issues, the one and dones, yeah, the goofy ones like Power Man and Iron Fist hanging out with Daredevil in New York, yeah, or uh uh the uh. Uh, the 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 drugs episode with the gun and the kids. Hey and, hey hey now, you know, hey hey. But go ahead. I'm just saying they just the, they're they're the one offs. You know the kind of one and done stories that don't really have anything to do. You know with the uh with the with the art. Even those are great. Yeah. 
And for somebody who really isn't a terrific uh, decorative and ornate illustrator, his drawing had such appeal to it for it to be as simple as it was. It was almost Kirby-like in that I don't care if the anatomy is correct. I don't care if it looks great. It just feels wonderful. And then let us please talk about the, the immaculate Klaus Jensen inks with the brush and the fat line that comes to the juicy line and oh. it comes down to the thin line and the splotches of black and just taking those pencils and just making them crackle with energy. <sighs> it was just the best. Oh, man, bro. The best, sir. <laughs> and the things are just so readable. You Between you and myself, we've probably read that entire run like, oh, innumerable times over. Innumerable times. And, yeah. and every time I read, I, I, can, I can close my eyes, blindfold myself, no pun intended, and just pick an issue from that run. <laughs> <laughs> just pick an issue from that run and just be straight, you know? And, it, and, and, the crazy, yeah. and the crazy thing about him is, is that once he took over the writing duties from McKenzie, Roger McKenzie, it's like he, you mm -hmm. saw him gradually, like you said, month after month after month, just get better and better and better. And I'm telling you, he hit his stride right around 172, 173 with the whole kingpin thing where the, king's, the kingpin's wife, Vanessa, is ostensibly killed and the kingpin mm -hmm. just kind of goes off. It's just the way he handled that whole episode. And then from there, and once you bring Elektra in with 168, oh, he starts brewing that gumbo, yo. Keeps throwing stuff in. Bullseye is in the mix. And so it's like he's thrown this stuff together oh. and just, oh. bruh, and just, ah, oh. oh, it's a runaway train. I'm telling you, from like 168 to 181, that's your run right there. I know he still had issues after that. Like that drug episode, the three-issue drug episode with No More Mr. Nice Guy and the drugs and stuff. Yeah. Those are yeah. good issues. With the Punisher, that's great, but that whole Electra saga, everything you need is right there. Oh, man. Come on yeah. now. I, I think quite possibly the pinnacle of the Daredevil run and it's almost the pinnacle where it's all it's it's not far before he I, I long before he actually leaves the book I think, but when Bullseye kills Elektra, yeah, and he escapes from prison, and he gets drunk and he says I think Matt Murdock is Daredevil and he starts laughing, mm -hmm. and then the whole the fight after he kills Elektra, and then the rooftop battle and then the hanging from the from the uh, from the telephone wires. Yeah. And then the ending with with Bullseye and the full body cast and the close up of his face, it was so cinematic. Oh, and yes, I think again if you look at Daredevil, even though there were clear it's past homages, fuck a homage, <laughs> he was ripping off Will Eisner, but he almost made it. It was as it was like uh, it was like. Somebody who went to a, a uh, like a French New Wave master, yeah, director, right? Someone who's considered a master stole all their tricks 
but made it a little more commercial. Mm. Gave it a little more hipness. Brought it a little more into modern day. I would almost say Frank Miller ripping off Will Eisner in the ways that he did had the same undeniable effectiveness that Quentin Tarantino had pulling from old Chinese kung fu movies and old black exploitation movies and old crime thriller movies and old pulp novels and pulling from old soul records and from old, and from other uh, elements of, of black culture and taking those things and putting it in, a, in, a, in, like you said, in a gumbo and then presenting it as his. And it had the same like, wow, I know where this comes from, but this make he the way he does it, it makes it feel brand new to me. Yeah. And, you know. The, the, the blinds on the windows, you know, and, 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 and how he would use that, the way that, that, uh, that, that Eisner would use it, and casting of shadows, and using New York as, mm-hmm. a, like as, a, as a serious, you know, backdrop, almost like a web around all of these characters. Yeah. Uh, I've never had a comic book reading experience like that where I couldn't wait month to month to see what was going to happen. I've mm. never had one like that before. I've never had one that was as immersive as it was. I've never hung on waiting for 22 or 26 pages for 30 days like I did in those weeks, in those months, in the 80s, when Frank Miller was working on Daredevil with Klaus Janssen. It was, it was, it was just... A transformative time in my youth in terms of, wow, you know, something exciting. Not exciting in the rock star sense of the image guys later on, but just exciting. Like, wow, this, it made me want to do something, you know, it really did. So anyway, I say, yeah, that's, that's got to be on the list. You know, we got to, you know. I'll I'll just cross that one off mine because I was going to bring that up. So, yes, we both agree on that one for sure. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. So now can I roll into, you know, one of my picks. Um, Right after Daredevil, uh, or ostensibly at the same time he was working on the latter issues, uh, he started uh, working Mm -hmm. on the Wolverine miniseries uh, written by Chris Claremont. But that Wolverine miniseries, oh, same energy. As Sir. those daredevils, oh. there's so oh. I don't know oh. about you, Swain. There are so many panels from that miniseries that are burned into my mind. Like I know them by memory. Mm-hmm. I certain shots, certain lines that are just here, just like that daredevil run, and just ah, oh, mm-hmm. just just gorgeous. And the, the 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 cool thing is is that he's being inked by Joe Rubenstein. On that miniseries. I was curious to say. Yeah, Rubenstein was the anchor on that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it lent it, you know, uh, a a different type of veracity, if you will. You know, especially certain Mm -hmm. certain close-ups, you know, that uh, Miller did. Like, there's a certain close-up in issue three where Miller is in, like, this Zen garden. And he's messed up the pebbles after this fight or wet night. And Mm -hmm. he kind of looks up to the night sky through the hole in the roof. And it's just like... No, Shinjin, I'm not an animal. I am a man. And he has just this wistful, hopeful look on his face. The glint in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm. Miller and Rubenstein mm. did that shit. Oh. Yes, yo. Yes, yes. And, and Claremont's story was terrific, yes. man. Yes. It was terrific. Again, it was just like, it was like a Wolverine road trip and, and you know, and 
again with ninjas and assassins and swords and you know the whole uh, just all of it man it was fantastic and i was yeah yes. i was going to mention yeah joe rubenstein inking him gave him less of a uh, it he, joe rubenstein kind of warmed him up a little mm. bit rounded out some of the edges mm -hmm. you know what i mean um and uh and in a in a in a very good way I, i'm a fan of joe rubenstein's inks yeah uh, on quite a few quite a few different uh, uh pencilers but yeah that's on my list too man the wolverine the wolverine uh uh, uh miniseries yeah that's on my list dog so we got two <laughs> that's, that's that's two dog there you go yo <laughs> what okay. you got next yo? all right so okay now i'm gonna get a little controversial okay all right I really do like that what if Daredevil, yo. That ain't controversial. Hell yeah. Go proceed. I, but I'm just saying, like, like, I mean, again, it's a one-off. It's a what if. It doesn't matter to canon. Now, now hold on now. Which what if though? I, I should have I should have remembered. Which what if? Go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like them both. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna lie, I do like them both. Yeah. But I prefer the uh, what if Daredevil had joined Shield. Oh, okay. Woo. Okay, the right choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Woo. Woo. We 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 still friends. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. I I really like that, but I don't think that's maybe his best i just really like it but as far as his best goes you know hey man hey man that first sin city was the truth yo yeah yeah mm-hmm that first that first sin city was the truth and it's it was so the truth that even that shitty movie <laughs> can't make me not like it yeah yeah. It can't make me not like it. I think Sin City, the first, A Dame to Kill For, right? Uh, the first one was The Hard Goodbye, and then the next one was A Dame to Kill For. But both of those I really apologize. together. The Hard Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really dig the first Sin City. I think because that was him totally moving away from Marvel, DC, anything connected with, with quote, mainstream comics. And totally embracing the kind of pulpy detective genre thing that he clearly loved, you know, Mickey Spillane and, and, and Westlake and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He clearly loved all that stuff, but, you know, and brought elements of that to Daredevil for sure. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it was, it was mostly that. That's really what it was. It was Daredevil as, you know, as detective, as gumshoe, as... You know, as a as a flat foot detective, you know, walking a beat in New York City trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I do think Sin City and then also, too, I think a lot of the criticisms that people would have, including myself, of his drawing and, and, and criticisms in the sense of nobody is buying Frank Miller's work just because of the drawing. But I think his style really started to crystallize. So the things that he was taking from. Uh, let's say a Jack Kirby and a Gil Kane, the things that he was taking from, uh, is it Kojima, the artist from uh, Lone Wolf and Cub? Yes, but I would also argue um, that he took some stuff from um, Jose Munoz and Alberto Breccia as well. Uh, Alberto Breccia, right. yeah. 
all of that. He took all of those things and crystallized them. And so what we got, I mean, the Sin City artwork is probably the most luscious work he's done up to that point, in my opinion. Mm. Where you did, you know, and then he and then he was really working with the uh, with the contrast of the shadows and the black and the white, you know, in an, as a tool, not just like oh, there's black and there's white. He's using it as a tool. I, he literally would change and compose panels to make the most of that contrast, and that's why you know one of the reasons why I hated the movie because it was so so slavish to the uh, to the original work. But I think that first Sin City is one of his best comics and, and represents a real milestone in his, uh, in his, in his, uh, his sojourn as, you know, as a, as a cartoonist. Oh, and yeah. he is a cartoonist. He's not a comic. He's a comic book artist and he's a, a, a comic book writer, but he's really a cartoonist. Now see, and, and I'm glad you make that, you made that distinction um, because I was going to mention something along those lines as well, you know, with Sin City being where he staked his claim in the ground like he had been working towards it but it always been with uh, another collaborator like jansen on inks or you know um something like that you know someone else doing the lettering mm -hmm. but sin city is the first time where he had all three hats i i.e he was a cartoonist you know what i mean and just yeah there's something about that when someone is at the top of their powers you know and you can see it in the work I mean, just from top mm -hmm. to bottom, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, within Sin City, you know, my, my favorite, you know, as much as I love that first arc, The Hard Goodbye, um, my favorite of his Sin City work is actually this um, standalone graphic novel uh, called Family Values, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like, it's him, you know, he's like, man, I came in, I got all my flowers and my propers for this Chiascaro work. And I'm still doing that here in Family Values, but I'm getting loose because now I'm looking at, you know, Bill Watterson, you know, from Calvin and Hobbes. And I love how he's getting loose and putting energy into it. So I wonder if I could put that same energy into what I'm doing here on Sin City. And he really did. He went from using like a big fat brush to let me break out this nib mm -hmm. and try to get like mm -hmm. more energy in these thin lines along with this Chiascaro. And it's just, man, that, mm -hmm. that stuff moves. Oh, man, it's fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then one other thing I want to say with yeah. this Sin City, one of my other favorite single issues, like later on as Sin City progresses, it does start to kind of repeat. And it's like, ah, the stories aren't as strong. Right. Ah. Right. But right. in that last story that he did to Helen back, there's an issue within that. It's issue number seven, where the main character um, is injected with a hallucinogen. And so he starts tripping out of his mind. And Lynn Varley, before they had them troubles, she comes in and just paints. <laughs> <laughs> she just comes in and paints like a whole 12 or 14 section page section of the book man all color so it's his artwork her colors whoo it, it's beautiful yeah. like they put like she put her yeah. foot off in it, it was like Ugh. yeah Damn. yeah yeah <laughs> well a, a follow-up to that and i'm not exactly sure if i considered his best but electra lives again uh, that's on my list too absolutely yeah 
Yeah, with Varley uh, doing providing colors and and uh, on that as well. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's fire, yo. And you know the nice. It was a nice hard, hard, hard bound. Yeah, oversized. Uh, yeah. Yeah, oversized, and so it kind of felt like you know one of those giant size joints that uh, you know they used to do back in the day. One of treasury editions. I still love. Yeah. Yes. Oh my <laughs> God, sir! I used to love those. Y'all was like, okay, it's comics, but just bigger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's like when TV started getting bigger, and it's like, okay, I thought I didn't like TV. I just like it bigger (laughs) but i'm gonna go ahead and say this and even though batman year one okay wait a minute so sin city is sin city with are are we split on sin city the long goodbye and uh and a dame to kill for or yes for you it's the first arc for me it'd be family values Okay, family values, excuse me, family values. Okay, now where do we stand on Electra Lives Again? Is that one of his best, you think? Hmm, in terms of story, definitely not. But in terms of, like, the leap in artwork and the chances that he mm-hmm. was taking in terms of progressing towards where he needed to go, absolutely. You, you can definitely see, because yeah. he worked on that for, like, a couple of years after um, Dark Knight Returns, and right before... Mm-hmm. He does Sin City because there's a period in there where he is wooed by Hollywood to write the sequel to RoboCop. So he starts getting into more writing right. things. But he right. still was saying, I still want to draw, though, even though I'm working on this stuff. So you can see during that period, his style is starting to change for sure. But yeah, Electra Lives Again. Yeah, that, that's on the list. All right. So that's on the list. So we got one, two, three that we're in, in full agreement on. OK, this is what I was going to say. All right. As much as I worship Batman Year One, mm. I do think Daredevil Born Again is 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 better. Mm, man, that's a, that's tough. You're talking about the Eminem connection I, right there. Oh. Mm. Yeah, because see, this is why I say that because I think Batman Year One is is you know this is the guy who comes behind the Dark Knight Returns and does what I consider to be an even better Batman story. Yeah. He retells the Batman origin and makes me fuck with it again. Yeah. And I had read that story a thousand times. I could, I could have read, uh, written a story. I could have written Batman's origin story. I've seen it so many times. I could, I could recite it. Yeah. (laughs) But I think born again is his, his, again, his collaboration with Mazzucchelli. Hmm. It's Mazzucchelli in all of his powers, just wielding the sword, <laughs> just, just wreaking mayhem on weak motherfuckers, just doing it, yo. Yes. Putting cases on all you bitches. <laughs> yeah. And it's Frank Miller returning to Daredevil. And when, I remember when it was announced and we were all like, eh, you going back to Daredevil? Yeah. And we saw the first scene, we was five. What is shit five? <laughs> so I just think the fact that he was able to go, not draw it, work with another artist, and it still had 
just punch to it. It still had power. It still had, uh, you know, it just had all of those same elements, but different. It wasn't just, oh, this could have been a continuation from, you know, from where he ended uh, his run on Daredevil and Klaus took over and then other, other people came along after them. Mm-hmm. It was different. It felt different. And it advanced the character in a way with the Catholicism and with the mother and with all of that. It advanced the character in a way that he hadn't done previously in the other iteration. You know, yeah. where there was more of a sense. Of, it was really Matt Murdock born again to me more so than Daredevil born again. Oh, absolutely. That's a great point you that know you what I mean? made. Oh, yeah. 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 Daredevil, Daredevil in the pre, you know, when he was doing his classic run, you know, there were lots of characters connected to the Daredevil universe that he kind of reinvented like Gladiator and Bullseye. Mm-hmm. He brought in other new characters. And yeah, we did spend a lot of time with Matt Murdock, but Born Again was all about Matt Murdock. You yes. know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. I think Born Again is one of his best comics or is one of his best runs. And I think that that to me truly needs to be in the top five of his, you know, of his greatest achievements. Oh, yeah. What say you, sir? What say you? What say me? I say I agree. I mean, just, oh, oh, man. Oh, Born Again is just, it's, without hyperbole, it's, it's magnificent. I mean, it really is. And it's the same thing. It's so, it's so funny how, how many of Miller's comics, how many of his works are ingrained Mm -hmm. in your brain. If you're of a certain age or if you love like Miller's stuff, there are certain things, even though he didn't draw Born Again, there are certain passages, mm-hmm. there are certain pieces of artwork, there are certain panels from Mazza Kelly that are just in here, in, in your brain. Yeah. You know, just, oh, it's, yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And, you know, just the thing about Born Again, too, it's like it almost plays as if it's the, the Omega of Matt Murdock's story. Even down to the last panel right. of the story, where it's him and Karen Page in this coda, if you will, they're just walking in normal street clothes, you know, after they've gone through all of this hell. He's, she's mm-hmm. come back to him. He's come back from hell. And just now they're hand in hand. Just like, man, let's get a, just a fresh start here in Hell's Kitchen. And it's almost like if that was the last Daredevil story, that could have been it. That could have been like, that could have right. been Miller saying, I've basically closed the book on this character. Now, y'all do right. what y'all want to, but I'm through. I, I, I'm through. <laughs> I'm through. I'm through. T-H-O-O. I'm through. Exactly. I'm, I'm done with it. And then, to further cement that, years later, he writes Daredevil, The Man Without Fear with Ramita Jr. illustrating. With Ramita Jr., and even that, again, working with a different artist in a different time, and that turns out dope. Exactly. So it's almost like that's the alpha because he, re- he redoes, you know, Matt Murdock's origin, Daredevil's origin in that. So it's almost like Miller mm-hmm. has handled the whole gamut of this character. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, man, it is no wonder that every creative team that's come after that goes back to it in some way, shape, or form. And they, they've tried different formulas. They've tried to put new characters in. But whatever, they keep coming back to that groundwork that Miller put in place. And it's almost like you can't escape it. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bendis and Malev and Azarella, uh, not Brian Azarella, excuse me, Brubaker. Brubaker, yeah. And Lark's run on Daredevils. I mean, they were great. I like I like uh, Brubaker and Lark's run better than I do Bendis's, but Bendis's run with Malev is is great too. Mm-hmm. But they're all just love letters to Frank Miller and, and Klaus Jansen. They're all just love letters, you know, like you know, you know, to just just how inspiring that particular classic run was to them. In the same way as when uh, Joss Whedon and uh, and Cassidy were doing Astonishing X Men. Yeah. And it was just a love letter back to to, to Claremont and Byrne. Byrne. That's all mm-hmm. it was. Yep. That's all it was. You know. Um, so I agree with you, man. And I I do I think you're right, man. I think that. Um. I don't know, man. It's just hard to ignore those dare you know those those runs on Daredevil in terms of uh, Miller's uh, leaving his stamp on the character. Yeah. Um. Because Daredevil was a d-level character <laughs> yeah so i hear it so i heard i mean it was it was the d-level i mean i was i was definitely rolling with it you know when uh like when gene colon was on it yeah you know i loved i loved all that stuff you know the stilt man and you know <laughs> i loved all that shit uh-huh. but it never meant anything you know what i mean and it was like he made it mean something in the same way as like when robert downey jr played iron man in 2008 in the Iron Man movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course people knew who Captain America was. They knew who the Hulk was. They knew who Superman and Batman were. But an Iron Man movie was a chance taker because the mainstream public, they didn't know who Iron Man was. Yeah. And by the time you go from 2008 to whatever to whatever uh, Avengers in, uh, in, uh, Endgame comes out, whatever that was, 2018 or whatever, mm-hmm. 19, whatever, um, Iron Man is the most popular Avenger. Tony Stark is the like one of the most popular characters. Yeah. You know, he is the beloved character. You know, he sacrifices himself in the beginning of the first Avengers movie, and he ultimately sacrifices himself in Endgame. And so in that same way that Downey and Favreau and Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige made Iron Man something great when he was, you know, he's kind of a, a B-level character. You know, to some great extent. The same thing with Daredevil. It's like Daredevil means something now. Yeah. That's why, you know, when 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 uh Ben Affleck did that movie with Jennifer Garner, I was like, oh. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. Jesus yeah. Christ, just stop. Just read the <laughs> comics, Ben. Yes. <laughs> just read the comics, dog. But yeah, um. man. I, I, I think you're right there. So we got Daredevil's the classic run. Yes. We have the Wolverine miniseries with Chris Claremont. That's right. We have Electra Lives Again. Are we are we going? Are we definitely putting Electra Lives Again on there? Yeah. That's number three. Yeah. And okay, Electra Lives Again. And then four is Born Again. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have a fifth yet. We're Not split on yet. Sin City, so we'll leave that off the list. Ah. But I'm going to throw a controversial one out there, yo. All right. All right. 300. Uh, I, that's on my list as well. <laughs> because I, I that, that's one of the things, you know, from the top of the show where I was talking about my retraction. I think I was in my feelings mm-hmm. more about the movie, not about the comic. The comic itself right. is, is it's great. 
It's great. And, and, and that's Frank just oh. basically saying, bruh, that's Frank just saying, oh. man, hey, I got this crime shit locked down. I got this superhero shit locked down. I bet y'all ain't ready for historical fiction. I bet y'all ain't ready for this. I bet y'all ain't ready for that. Y'all ain't see that come to you. Uh, eh, eh, what? Yeah. <laughs> bruh, <laughs> I remember picking that up at Comic Company when it came out. And I was like, I was 17. Picked up that Wednesday. I was like, ah. Oh. And, and when I have got done reading it, it's, you know, you open it up and it's all these spreads. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Frank is. The book was, uh, it, was land, it was landscape. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a portrait like a comic. It was it, landscape, it was, right? It, initially, the, the actual, yeah. Initially, the, um, the actual issues, they, they open up and it's all spreads. But when they put it into hardback, that's when they made it. Oh, okay. Yeah, lands, completely landscape. And when they did that, that was the smartest decision they ever made. Because I think yes. the hardback of it, that's the definitive way to read 300. Yes. It gives yes. you that scope. It gives you just the vistas. And it makes all those panels so powerful. When Leonidas kicks the persons down that well, this is Sparta. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And then Lynn yeah. Barley with them colors. Ooh. Yes. Ooh, Ooh. dog. Dog. With that, that shot where he, they're pushing the uh, the soldiers off the cliff and it's in silhouette. Yes. And it's just, and, and, and oh, yeah. All of Ooh. it, man. It's just glorious. And, you know, the idea, again, I don't think Frank Miller's somebody who can do anything like, I feel like Alan Moore as a writer can mm. write anything. Mm. And kind of make you like be like, oh damn, I didn't even, I never even thought of that. Yeah. Damn, I I didn't think I could feel this way about Rom Space Night, but <laughs> Alan Moore is making me he's making me love Rom Space Night, yo. Rom. Did you read that Alan Moore Micronauts? That shit was he he was on some other shit with the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Be like, yo, did you check out that? That 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 eight page story at the end of Superman, that Mister Mixelpitalik story that Alan Moore wrote. You know, you'd be like, "Damn, that shit was great." Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think he can do anything in the way that Moore can, but I do think that when he gets ideas that he's passionate about. It's generally going to work more than it's not going to work, at least up until that point. Yeah. And even something like Ronin, mm. which I liked looking at it because, you know, the artwork was so different. And it was a different kind of story from Daredevil. And it was basically like when Prince did Around the World in the Day after uh, Purple Rain, you know, and he went from, you know, synth funk rock. And then did this album with, you know, with flutes and finger cymbals and, and, and string quartets and banjos and shit. Mm. And you're like, wow, you know, okay. It was, it was basically like a cleanser. Like, you're not going to make me be this thing forever. And I'm going to show you, I'm not going to be this thing forever. So him doing the artwork with all that cross hatching, you know, was like, okay, wow, this is, this is really different. I didn't love the story because I don't like supernatural, you know, I don't like, I, I just don't like that kind of thing. You know, the supernatural, you know, somebody's spirit goes into somebody else's body. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Come on. But I do love, the, love the, the fact that the book exists and what he was, you know, maybe attempting to do in terms of shattering his past with this new 
uh, you know, with this new uh, current me kind of a thing. Yeah, and you know, the crazy thing about Ronan too is, and once I make this point, I'm gonna jump back on 300 because I got a point to make there too. Okay. Um, with Ronan, that's a power move. You know, not only is it him, like you can feel like the handcuffs coming off of him in terms of like the type of artwork that he's trying to do, um, in terms of the color and production, you know, allowing Lynn Varley to really take these colors to a whole other place that you had seen in a while with comic book coloring. Mm -hmm. Everything was like on point. And the fact that he was getting away with it as a young 20 something, when it's guys that have been yeah. in the industry in their forties and fifties that still couldn't get a deal like that. You know what I'm saying? And here's DC giving this young Turk a shot. Yeah. Like, come on, come on. We, we, we got you. Come on. And I know them dude, yeah. I know the veterans were salty. Just like, yeah, oh, yo. what the fuck? Come on, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, but, it, was a, it, was, it was a total flex, yo. It was a yeah. total flex. It was like, okay, y'all going to let me? Okay. Uh, this skinny kid from Vermont? Uh, check this out. What, what you think about this right here? Uh, but go ahead. What, you, what were we going to say about 300, man? Yeah, man. So with that, with 300, you know, you were talking about he was taking a chance, you know, on that. And he certainly was. Because, I mean, I'm, you know, he could have kept doing Sin City, you know, series on and on and on. But whatever it was, he felt the need to do this. He even went over to Greece to the actual site of Thermopylae, to the battle site, so that he could see mm -hmm. how was everything laid out. You know, the, 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 the fields of grass, the cliffs, just everything. So it's like that added veracity that he needed mm -hmm. to really bring that to the book. And you can feel it. Like, that's the thing about Miller, too, that I don't think even myself at certain points, I have to call back to and give him his propers on. There is a certain mm -hmm. power that he lends to his drawings. You know, you can say about oh, them yeah. what, what yeah. you will that, yeah, some of them are wonky, but I like the fact that they're wonky. I like the fact that, you know, sometimes when the characters are leaping, like they, they legs kind of are splayed any which way, like a Frank Robbins drawing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love that. Yeah, I love that. Like he has enough chops to pull that off. But there is a raw power when Miller is at his best. Like and you can really sense it. When he's not resting on his laurels, bruh, that power is just undeniable. And that's what you get in 300, like full bore. Just, oh, it, it, it was fantastic, man. So definitely yeah. that, that deserves to be on the list for sure. Okay. Okay. So, uh, okay. So one, two, three, four. That's five. like five, yo. That's five. And I that's know like five. And I know people are asking. I know what you guys are asking. You guys omitted one big one. Right. And for me, that was on purpose. Yeah, that, same here. That was on purpose. Go ahead with why you omitted what I think I omitted as well. Uh, I admitted the Dark Knight Returns. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I intentionally skipped over the Dark Knight Returns because one, 
I think of all of the things that we're discussing and even some of the things that don't make didn't make our top five. So we got classic Daredevil run. We got Wolverine miniseries. We've got Electra Assassin. We've got 300. Well, we've got Born Again. Electra Lives Again. Electra Lives Again. Excuse me. Electra Lives Again. Even though uh, I think that there are th- uh, the Dark Knight Returns is less satisfying for me to return to than some of these other things are. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. There's yep. a there's a darkness and a cynicism to the Dark Knight Returns that I find less appealing because, and it's not because of the the material. It's because of everything that came after the material. So I can't go back and enjoy it. At this, you know, when that happened, when the Dark Knight Returns happened, and when Watchmen happened, this was at a time when superheroes hadn't been presented in that way before. So it was fresh, mm-hmm. it was interesting, and it was new. Now, when I go back to it, I've seen a thousand different bad versions of that. I've seen a thousand TV shows based on superheroes that are that are doing, you know, their take on that, and that has been done to death for the almost 40 years or whatever since those works came out. Mm. So this Dark Knight Returns is just less satisfying for me to return to. Uh, I even bought the uh, the animated uh, uh, the animated movie. Yeah. Watched about 20 minutes of it, and then I didn't finish it. <laughs> oh man! But I can go back to that Wolverine miniseries and be a teenager again. Mm. I can mm. go back to 300 when I, cause I didn't buy the comics. I bought the, uh, I bought the, uh, the hard copy, uh, hardbound collection, uh, yeah. collective version and was just like, wow, this is like, this is wonderful. This is just, this is wonderful. Um, born again, you know, where I'm, you know, I become a Mazza Kelly fan yet again. Mm. I follow him to his indie bullshit and rubber blanket and <laughs> you know all the other stuff i buy the new yorker covers that he was painting just just because i'm like okay i'm a fan i gotta go where you go i can't not go anymore yeah <laughs> you know born again did that batman year one did that um and then the classic devil one but, but you did you was it dark knight returns or was it batman year one that you were admitting on purpose uh i was gotta admitting, be one of those two yeah it was dark knight returns um, for the same reason, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. Dark Knight okay. Returns is great to look at. Same thing. There are so mm-hmm. many panels and lines that are etched into my memory and to my brain. I know them by heart. And a lot of that, like, especially at like the first couple of books, they're wonderful to look at. I can't front. You know what I'm saying? But it's too much of that. And... In subsequent years, decades even after that, with like the sequels, like, you know, I said at the top of the show, just, yeah, Dark Knight 3, Dark Knight 4, there was even a separate Dark Knight one shot that I'm like, why is this even included? What the hell? You know? And it's just like, (laughs) this whole Dark Knight universe that's just wholly unneeded when the original is just powerful on its own. It's so monolithic, but yet to the same reason that you're mentioning, man, there's so many books out there that took that and have that same feel. And even like Miller, you know, with these sequels and everything, he's kind of watered it down in my opinion. And it's just like, nah, nah, nah. Now, is it a great series? Sure, the first one is. But it's just not as powerful yeah. to me as these other ones that we've put on the list. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Dark Knight Returns doesn't make our top five. That's right. Batman Year One. If 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 you if you want to interchange it, uh, uh, that's what I'm saying. It could go either way. Uh, <laughs> I, I would be willing to trade out Batman Year One and Born Again if that's I right. had to. Like if I had to have a Frank Miller Batman something in the top five, I could trade out Year One. Right. I wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Uh. It wouldn't be TDKR. It would be Batman Year One mm-hmm. for Born Again because I still keep Mazza Kelly. Right. <laughs> I still keep that collaboration, but I get but I get my Batman John on. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, uh, what about Electro Assassin with Bill Sienkiewicz? Ah, uh, no. I didn't no. give a shit about the story. I just loved Sienkiewicz's work. Artwork. Exactly. Exactly. And it's almost like yeah. you know Miller had to rewrite it in a response to seeing these pages come in like, what the hell? Okay, I guess I'll get back to the typewriter. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I thought, he, I thought he said that with, uh, with, hard, with uh, hard Boiled. He did, but he also said that with Electra Assassin because he was sending the script to Sienkiewicz and Sienkiewicz <laughs> would send the pages back to him. He's like, oh, well, damn, I got to rewrite this now. God damn. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love Bill's uh, artwork, but I just didn't care at all about the story. Uh, what about Martha Washington? Oh! Give me liberty. Oh! That's right. Oh! Yeah, yo. Damn! You know, I'm going to have to give that an honorable mention. Like, I'm going to have to, I hate to put it like this, okay. just tack it on because... Give Me Liberty, that is one of the most underrated books in his body of work, period. You know what I'm saying? Like that Mm. first arc, Give Me Liberty, it's great. Mm -hmm. It has all this cynicism, but it's also optimistic. It's about overcoming, you know, so many obstacles. And I have the whole saga, like over here on my bookshelf, I got the complete saga, The Life and Times of Martha Washington. It's 600 pages. And mm. so you're talking like take three miniseries by him with like two or three one shots, you know, and I think him and Dave Gibbons added extra pages to this collection, you know. Um, OK, I'm shocked that nobody's done an adaptation of Martha Washington. I'm surprised that people don't bring it up more even here. Yeah. You know, it took you to remind me about it. For me to say, that's right. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I should have been brought it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely no. deserves a mention for sure. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say too, man. I mean, I like Jeff Darrell's artwork on Hard Boiled. Uh, I do like uh, Sienkiewicz's artwork on Electro Assassin. Yeah. I just don't care about those stories at all. I don't care about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just didn't at the time when I read them. But I do agree with you. They give me liberty. I'm, I'm off. Uh, to me, it's like of all things to be optioned and to be made, eas- not easily made, but certainly easier than, you know, uh, Fantastic Four movies, people stretching and catching fire and shit. <laughs> you know this solo female black hero with the with the buzz cut 
and you know it's set in like a this nihilistic you know uh, uh, future. Yeah. And it's just all technology, and you just have to have a charismatic lead and put some other charismatic uh, character actors around her. You know, it's it's right there. Even that. Remember that? Uh, the, I forget who did it. It was a uh, there was an image circulating online where uh, some graphic artist took a picture of uh, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Yeah. And and made her into Martha, and everybody was like, "Oh snap!" Like, yeah. Now she can't do it because she's she's too old now. Yeah. To play the part because Martha's supposed to be a teenager, right? Uh, yeah, teenager, and it goes to like her early twenties. Yeah. Early twenties. So you would probably want to cast somebody who is at least, you know, and maybe somebody. Because to me, I would say cast somebody who's kind of known to play mm-hmm. the part if you're going to adapt it. So maybe somebody in their early 20s who can play down to like 16 or 17 and then, you know, just do a, do two of them together and then take it into or do it as a series even. You yeah. Know, do it as a, as a series and a television series on a, on a streaming platform. But it's right there. It's right there. And right now, Hollywood is, is definitely hot for uh, for for uh, for things by black female creatives or starring, you know, black women as as the uh, as the centers of the story, so it's right there as far as comics is concerned. And you know the the crazy part about that, if you really think about it, you know, the fact that Miller has a character like that and books that he's written about the character like that is in kind of a juxtaposition with his views, his latter day views politically. You know, and I know we were trying to keep them separate. But it's just interesting how how that has played out, you know, and it's okay. also curious that he didn't um, come back to that character. Like, I think him and Gibbons added those extra pages, like I mentioned, for this particular uh, collection, you know, but I just think it's a shame that he probably won't return to that character. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And won't have new mm. adventures or anything else to say. And, and really, there's really no need for him to because, I mean, in the collection himself, the the, the character ends. I mean, it, it ends. You know, she ends. Right. You know, like she passes right. away. So it's almost like he closed the book on that character. But, oh, man, mm-hmm. the, the stories that are there for someone, if they wanted to take them to live action, or if you as readers get a chance Check out The Life and Times of Martha Washington or any of those Give Me Liberty, any of those miniseries by that. I mean, it's definitely satisfying. It's one of those reads. Yeah. It's one of those reads that is very literate. And they were coming out with those in like the early 90s. You know, like stuff mm. like Twilight by Chaikin, you know, things like that to where it was a standalone, it was a deep read, but very satisfying. You know what I'm saying? And Give Me Liberty yeah. is definitely that. It's uh, because that was published by DC, right? Uh, it was actually published by Dark Horse. Twilight was published by, by DC. Dark Horse. Yeah, Twilight was published by DC. Yeah, I and I, I think yeah, at the time this was when uh, a lot of com- Dark Horse, DC with Vertigo, uh, this is when a lot of comics were being aimed not at the probably thirty somethings to forty year olds at the time, but to college age people, people who were in the younger twenties. You know, more progressive ideas, uh, mm, more mm-hmm. out there kinds of ideas, um, and and less kind of about you know, fourteen year old boys power fantasies about punching the bully and saving yeah. the day kind of thing. Right. But um, 
But to recap, man, um, so we've got the classic run of Daredevil, and these mm. aren't in any particular order, right? Right. They just up okay. there. Yeah. The classic classic run of Daredevil. We've got Wolverine miniseries. We've got Electra Lives Again. Yes. We've got Born Again. Yes. And then we've got 300. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm going to throw an honorable mention out there, too, for, uh, I think it's uh, Spider-Man Annual number 14. 15. Annual 15, 15, dog. Yes, yes. Yes. Yes, yo. I'm I'm pumping my fist. I know the the listeners can't can't see it, but yes. (laughs) I'm right there. I'm, I'm right there with it. Yes. Um. Didn't he do the what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four too? No. Mm-mm. No, no, no. He did. He did something with the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. That I forgot what it was. Th- a one shot, I think. You are thinking of Marvel Team Up 100 because they introduced the character Karma yes. from New Mutants. That's also a great yes. one. Yes. That's also a yes. great one. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, hey. That's a great issue. And what about you? I, I know the one you're thinking of. Actually, he did two Spider-Man annuals in a row. He did annual it's 14, 14 and 15, I think. Yes, fourteen had Doctor Strange, yeah. and then fifteen had him fighting Doc yes. Ock with the Punisher. Ah, oh, now those are joints. Hell yeah! Yes, <laughs> yes, oh, yo, yeah, yes, yo. Oh man! Oh, that was. Oh awesome. my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Those yes, just awesome, awesome man. Um, another one. This is just me because I go here, yo. All right. The Batman's uh, Christmas story. Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Wanted dead or alive. Yeah. Yes, yo. <laughs> yes. I'm with it, yo. I'm with it. I, I'm just with it. You know, because that was at the point where I was, like you said, I was getting looking in the price guide. Yep. Yeah. And it was like, okay, Frank Miller did this. And like you said on the previous episode, yo. Well, I gotta have I gotta, them all. I got it. Yeah, I gotta get it. <laughs> so I gotta get it. So and then I hunted it down and I got it and I loved it. Oh but, man! Um, oddly enough, look, no love for Batman and Spawn. No, 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 no. Even even me, me, you're talking to. No love to. for All Star Batman no, and Robin, no. yo. Hell no! <laughs> to uh, <me> hell no! <laughs> No. <laughs> oh my goodness, yo. Hey man. man. Hey man, I'm the goddamn Batman, yo. <laughs> <laughs> that concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.